Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself, but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs, university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this academy, I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants, networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled, interview techniques that will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message and let's see if the Academy is a good fit for you. Welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career podcast. And oh man, ladies and gentlemen, I got a superstar of a guest for you today. I got Curtis Lucy in the podcast. Curtis, before I introduce you, I kind of want to go off script and tell the audience why I'm so excited to have you here today. So first of all, I want to let you know that I appreciate you. And I know that you know that because I tell you this all the time. But for the audience listening, the person I'm interviewing today is one of my mentors. And this man has completely changed my life. He is a big, big role model. I see him like a big brother. Curtis is not only a national best-selling author, like I aspire to be, not only a top professional speaker, like I aspire to be, not only is he a superstar CEO of amcars.com and it has a super successful business like I aspire to be, but he is one of those people that will take his shirt off his back to help anybody. And I am so blessed to have you in my network and I'm so excited that my audience will get to know you a little bit better today. So without further ado, Curtis, welcome to the show. How are you doing, my oh, friend? It's my honor, man. My privilege, man. That's, that was uh, a humbling introduction. Thank you so much. I got the chills. Ah, uh, man. No, I think um, I, my audience is going to get to know why I love you so much, man. And I appreciate you so much. So guys, I'm excited because Curtis wrote a book um, like five years ago. It's called Appreciation Marketing. But I, this is, podcast is about why appreciation is so important. This podcast is going to be a little bit about why mentor, mentoring is going to talk a little bit about networking and building relationships. But more than anything, the way I think we're better off by explaining to students why all this is important is by talking about you. Because you are really, this, like, you are a great example of somebody who has a really strong network that cares for people. So let's talk a little bit about you, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your story. Tell me your origin story. <laughs> well, I grew up in a little town, Greenwich, New York, up in upstate New York. I mean, there was more 
cows and people in my town. And I think an entrepreneur is probably a, a farmer. I mean, I didn't know anybody in my network, anybody that I knew that was really a, a definition of an entrepreneur. And baseball was my love. It was my first love. It was my passion. It was my everything. That's all I wanted to do. And that was my number one goal in life was to play professional baseball. And baseball did allow me to go into Division One sports. I played Division One college baseball, which was amazing. And my first job out of college, you know, I took everything that I was doing in college. I was an RA on campus uh, to help pay for my my college. Um, I was uh, I also had a business when I was in college. It was, I had a network marketing business. I I worked all the basketball games, football games, hockey games, just to have enough money to be able to travel down south to for baseball. And then when I got out of college, I took everything that I was doing, like in all these different areas, and just focused in on being the best possible salesperson, most energy that I possibly could for a multi-billion dollar company called Cintas Corporation. And I'm going to tell you quickly why I went to work for Cintas. And by any, any time that you want to jump in, by all means, just jump in. I was referred a book to make sure I read a book. It was probably the first and only book that I read cover to cover. The other one was probably close was maybe Lord of the Flies when I was in high school. <laughs> and it was uh, called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which oh, I think yeah. probably listen to this podcast. Kiyosaki, yes, yes. And in that book, if you remember, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad told him to work for Xerox when he got out of the military, not for the money, for the training. Yeah. And so that's why I went to work for CentOS. I mean, they had an amazing blueprint. I didn't know I was going to sell really sexy products like toilet paper and air fresheners and soaps, knocking on every store, every door, every floor. I was up in New Haven, Connecticut. So whether it was rain or shine or snow and sleet and freezing rain, I was out and about doing that. And I'll tell you what happened. I was, first of all, right out of the gate, my first month as a full rep, I was number one rep in the entire country out of 1,250 reps. All right, so let's and, slow down for a second, yeah. okay? I, there's a pattern here, right? You, I know you were mentioning your story, and I know your story already, So, but I, I wanted to talk about this guy. I think this is, there's so much great learnings from your story itself. You come from a small town. There's more cows than people. <laughs> the, the level of opportunities, you're not surrounded by a bunch of very successful people. Like let's say if you were born in New York City and you're able to aspire and dream big, right? So what, what motivated you? Like, you know, there's people who were probably in the same small town as you that felt like they didn't have the ability to do anything big. They, they couldn't outgrow the town. But somehow you were able to outgrow the town. Why? When did you realize that you were meant to leave that town and do great and big things? That's a great question. And probably you don't know the answer to this. So I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you back to when I was five foot seven, 125 pounds soaking wet. My high school. And my I was playing baseball. <laughs> I was playing baseball. I was a freshman in high school and I got brought up to the varsity team. And my high school baseball coach puts on the suicide squeeze. And I don't think they're called the suicide squeeze anymore. I don't think they're allowed to say that word. However, what that means is there was a runner on third base and the pitcher was throwing and I had to square around to bunt and make contact because as soon as the pitcher was in his windup going, the guy from third base is running home. You following me? Yep. So I get the sign. I acknowledge with my helmet that I, 
accept the sign. I know what's on. And I squared around like a little leaguer. And I don't know if you remember, like in Little League, in Little League, you square around like this, and I'm I'm squaring the bunt. So I didn't pivot on my I didn't pivot on my back foot. So I squared around with my chest and my feet pointing towards the pitcher. And the pitcher did what he was supposed to do. Throw inside. And I didn't, I couldn't move. And there was like an 88 mile an hour fastball, boom, hit me right in the chest. And this pitcher was being scouted by a guy that was there for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays at the time, now the Tampa Bay Rays, and this guy by the name of uh, Mr. Godlewski. And he was at the game and he saw that, and we were playing the number one team in the state of New York, all right? And this, and this pitcher was, was touted as one of the top pitchers, getting, uh, there was professional scouts after him, Stanford University, all these different people. And what happened was I had to get back in the box. I dropped like a sack of potatoes to the ground because he hit me and I never pulled the bat back. So it was a strike. So I had to get, so I had two choices. I was, tears were running down my face. People thought I was like dead because it echoed when it hit my chest. They thought the ball went through me. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm wiping tears out of my eyes. And the coach was calling in for a pinch hitter to come in because he thought I was too hurt. And so I had a choice. I could get back, dust myself off and get back in the box and wipe my tears off. Or, um, I could go take a seat on the bench, and I chose to get back in the box. And by me choosing to, choosing to get back in the box, that professional scout saw me and was like, that kid's got grit. Like, holy crap, he's getting okay. back in the box. Let's talk about this for a second because this is a great lesson. That grit, so grit, is, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but grit is the number one thing employers look for. But the mm. problem with grit it is extremely hard to quantify. It's not like a GPA, right? Gr- your grit to go back in the box was not built that day. When was it built? Like, when was the first thing that you remember that started building that grit? <sighs> That's a good question. I mean, I, I love baseball so much, and I give so much to my team, and I wanted to win so bad, and I felt like I was the best person to be up in the box. I had the uh, – it was just – in me to make sure I just got back in the box. I wasn't going to let my team down, especially when I look over and I didn't want somebody else coming and taking that spot. And well, no, I actually choked up on the bat and I put the ball in play up the middle. We scored a run and then we scored two runs actually. And we gave that team the only loss of their entire season. They went on to win the state tournament. And this was in 1998. So and then a so, scout found you. So Yes. Now, get this. His son, Michael, was the same age as me. And so let me decline this because I just had a phone uh, call come in. Let me put this on airplane mode. So Mr. Godlewski's son, Michael, was the same age as me. And he they lived an hour away. Um, I live in a little town. He was down in the Capital District area, down in the Schenectady, now near Albany and, and uh, Troy. So he invited me to play on a very elite summer baseball team that traveled all over the country. So I'm a big fish in a small pond. You know, right. I'm a small town guy that like it was, was above average athletic ability. And I got invited to play and all around the country. And I'll tell you what really opened my eyes 
was that when I start going to Texas and then we're playing in tournaments and these guys are told double the size of me hitting balls four times as far as I could hit them. And like, I, it just opened my eyes like, wow, there's amazing talent out here and how much I had to work twice as hard because I did, I had natural talent. I didn't have the natural talent of these guys. So I had to work twice as hard to try to, and so that actually led me on that summer team that team that led me into college. I wouldn't have gone to Sacred Heart University if it wasn't for playing there and uh, for playing on the summer league team. And I'll tell you, I was at a seminar once and I was actually running the seminar and Coach Godlewski was in the audience and he stood up one day and, so, and he said something. This is after I got out of college and he goes, Curtis didn't have division one talent. Curtis had division one desire and I'll take desire over talent any day. And he goes, I'm just really glad that nobody told Curtis that. <laughs> you think if they would have told you that you didn't have division one talent, that you would mentally would have psyched yourself out? Maybe, maybe. I think that that's why it's so important as like us in like mentoring young, younger generation is like always planting those seeds of positivity and like, and that like you can do it and because Gosh, I mean, maybe I would have been mentally strong enough to say, you know what, screw you. <laughs> like, I no, I do have what it takes. Yeah. What if it came from a parent? What if it came from a coach or a teacher or somebody that like that that I'm supposed to look up to and so, believe? In? So when did you channel this grit and determination and hustle that you had in baseball, and they said, you know what, um, baseball, you know, I. I you moved it to business or you moved it to your professional career. Because yeah, I, I would have loved, loved to go out and play professional baseball. However, my senior year, it comes to, it come to the realization that I did not have what it takes. And it's hard to say that. However, how much hard I work, I worked so hard. I just realized didn't. So what did I want? I really wanted to make it. And I realized that sales was the fastest way to get to where I wanted. Cause I could use my, I could just work as hard as I want because sales typically is kind of like an uncapped profession is that if you, the more you sell, you're more you're just supposed to be able to make, you know, yeah. and commissions and stuff. So that's why I, I just, after college, I said, you know what, I'm just going to channel everything I do. And I, here's the thing. I leveraged a quote that I heard when I was in college and it was a quote that by Jim Rohn. Oh, hello, Jim, my man, Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn, who was like Tony Robbins' mentor. Tony Robbins yeah. sold for Jim Rohn kind of like a godfather of personal development, really. And he says, what you lack in skill, you can make up in numbers. So I didn't know what I didn't know. I was green. All I know is there was a playbook. And if you do X, Y, and Z, then you're going to get this. You know, you do A, B, and Z, you're going to get X, Y, and Z. So I went out there and I hustled. I knocked on every door, every store. I didn't know what I didn't know. I just talked to more people, made more phone calls. And that's how I was the number one rep and made around $13,000 22 years old just out of college but let's talk about that because i know that in the beginning of your synthesis career you worked if i remember correctly you worked two times as hard as 
one of the best sales reps in the in the in the nation, mm-hmm. and the guy was working half of the time, making twice as much. You guys sat down, and that conversation really impacted. It changed you. my life. It did. So, so I got in about six months, and yes, I was making good money. And at that point, it just I, my quality of my life sucked because if I didn't have a good week, my weekend sucked. Like I didn't want to go into the weekend. Like it just everything was like hinging upon the next week. And this is a difficult thing when you work in corporate America. Sometimes is like is that you're, you're only as good as your last sale. And you really, it's never good enough, no matter whatever numbers you have. And you know, working for Frito-Lay, you know exactly what that is, you know? So like, so it got kind of draining. And then what happened was my, he was kind of a mentor to me. At the same time, I almost didn't like him because he worked twice as much hour, twice is like half the time you made twice as much money. And I was like, why, why is this? I, and, and what I chalked it up to was he was there longer. Therefore the company gave him all the leads and I was justifying things like in my head. And I read, I realized was that was all bogus. Here's what happened. He goes, Hey Curtis, he goes, uh, who's the drivers in your territory? I said, Oh, one of them's Gary. And he goes, Gary, he goes, tell me about Gary. Now I go, Gary, um, Gary services the accounts that I sell. So I sell the accounts, he gets turned over to customer service and he services my accounts. He goes, did you know Gary that's married? He has, he's a father of three. He likes to go fishing on the weekends. He's currently training for a sprint triathlon. And I'm like, I didn't really get it. And then he goes, and do you also know that he sends me all of the referrals from your territory? He sends them to me. And now I was like, you son of a, like, I was, I was upset. And at the same time, I'm like, then I started getting it. And what I got out of it was this, is that how important it is to get to know people for who they are, not what they do. And if you want to build a referral based business and you want a career in whatever it is you're doing, you got to realize that relationships are the real currency. Yeah. 1 million percent. Um, and let's talk about that because now you went from thinking that if you just work hard, you make phone calls, you do the typical cold calling. Sure. that get, that'll get you somewhere, but that will burn you out. And it's not a sustainable way of doing sales. Then you learn from talking to that person to learning from getting to know like the Gary's of the world and how important a referral can be to your business and appreciating them. How did you go from CentOS to becoming a best-selling author, mm-hmm. a national speaker, and have built a software company or a company that provides, you know, such a successful company. I mean, I let you even talk about that yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, let me go back to you because some of you guys might be thinking like, why, what is it about Gary and what, how does he give you all these referrals? Right? Well, understand that he's the eyes and the ears in the marketplace. When he's driving down a back road and he sees a building that says under new management or coming soon, the first person in the door usually sells the services. So like I could then set up the entire company for all kinds of services from floor mats, aprons, towels, if they need them, uh, toilet paper, air freshener, soaps, outfit the whole bathrooms, maybe a cleaning service. So all the different stuff that I could sell for the facility service side. And like a lot of times you get in there, you, the first person in the door gets the business. So like those referrals are amazing and they're on streets. That's all they do is just drive all day long. And then when they hear something, 
oh, this person's opening up another location. If they give me that referral, even though it's in somebody else's territory, I can take half of that deal because it came from my territory as the referral to go sell it someplace else. So all of those things are important. You, there's nothing in it for the driver though. They only get paid after it gets installed and there's no residual for the sales rep. So if you build that relationship, you want to get every possible referral you possibly can because it saves you from cold calling and, and all the grinding and the hassle. And you know, here's what ended up, here's what I wanted. So all this was great, but then what I really wanted was I wanted to live an and life. And what I mean by that is, do I want to go get a new car or go on vacation? I couldn't stand saying or all the time. Everybody, every time, everybody I grew up with, it was always or. Why can't I get a car and go on vacation? Why can't I donate to my church and go out to dinner tonight with a bunch of people? You know, like all of that started weighing on me. And it's like, I want to live an and life. We get one shot. And here's part of the reason why is that a week after I graduated college, I was in the conference championships for our baseball team. The first time our division one program has ever made it to the conference tournament. And the night before the first game, my brothers, my dad and my sister, Dina, come walk in the hotel room to tell me that my brother Siles was killed. And he, and he was killed on a freak dirt bike accident. And I went to work a one week after his funeral. So my mind was already messed up. I was already like, you know, I wanted to give it everything I got. However, I kind of had the seed planted. I don't want to work in corporate America forever. I personally want to open up my own businesses. I want to grow. However, I do need to cut my teeth and go make some money first and, and learn some, some valuable skills. My dad said something at his funeral that really kind of woke, woke me up. And he said that, Silas lived more life in his 23 years than most do in a normal lifetime. And I was like, I want to live. I don't want to just work forever. And I understand money's essential and everything. I also want to love what I do. And so how did I transition back to that? Is like, I realized the biggest competitive advantage in today's marketplace when I was young. And the biggest, and how to leverage the biggest advantage in today's marketplace, and that's saying thank you. Showing appreciation and gratitude, coming from a genuine, authentic place without trying to necessarily get something in return every single time that you're trying to send out appreciation and gratitude. So what I realized at a young age was there's so many businesses that don't understand this. And so I launched a marketing agency um, I worked on that while I was working in my full-time job. Then I, then I jumped out and I partnered up with Tommy Wyatt, the co-author of this book, Appreciation Marketing. We traveled the country, traveled the world speaking. And I feel like we wrote the book more as a responsibility than anything else. Um, after hearing so many stories of people when they go through our program of how enlightening it was, to just bring it back to sometimes the basics and that's human nature of people that want to be appreciated and cared about. See, there's two main reasons. If you're in sales or you own a business, we need to realize there's two main reasons why your customers are not going to come back to do business again or refer you business. Number one is they don't remember you. So making sure that you're staying top of mind with the people that when the next time they need your product or service and more importantly than that, the, the second reason is because of perceived indifference. 
And perceived indifference is just nothing more than a fancy way of saying they don't think that you actually care. So when you're remembered and you know that you care, you go to the top of the list. And when you're at the top of the list, there's no such thing as competing with other people. And you come by way of referral. So to wrap this up and put a bow on it, it's really about who you are and how you're showing up in people's lives. So take an inventory of how you're showing up in people's lives. And actually currently while this recording is going on, the coronavirus pandemic all over the country, okay? I know people are going to be listening to this years in, in, in the future. However, right now is, is, is the type of time to reach out in kindness and just to check in on people and see how they're doing without trying to necessarily sell something. I love it, man. And, and I want to put this into, because a lot of, a lot of you, you influence a lot of how I run my business. And a lot of the students listening to this are probably like, no wonder Daniel texts me to say, hey, how, is, how are you and your family doing the coronavirus? I, I text all my students. I either message them or call them. But what you were saying about the sales, right, and how the, to, to, like, the indifference and all that, I believe, like, I, I, I want students to understand that when you're looking for a job, you are selling yourself. Everybody's in sales, right? Everybody's in sales, no matter what your major is, no matter if you have a master's, a, you, when you're applying for jobs, you, you have to treat it like a sales call. If you think about what my academy is, I am teaching you systematic corporate B2B sales techniques into the job application system. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you guys from listening to this podcast, cause I've been on the other side of the table. We'll go and we'll interview 10 to 15 students. The students will interview three to four different people. After you've interviewed all four people, we'll go into a room and we'll calibrate, right? There's an indifference. Like the difference between hiring a student A or hiring student D is very, very small. But a simple appreciation, thank you card or email, the follow-up could be the difference between you getting a job or not because they remember you. Not because you're two times smarter or because you're two times um more talented it's not even a lot about that a lot of times a lot of times whoever comes to mind first is the one who gets the job and it's the same thing that sometimes comes in sales and so i love what you talk about which is why i am so big on every single one of my students needs to send thank you cards not just after the, the interview but even when they first meet the recruiter and staying connected with them and just Building a win-win relationship. I am so big on that, and it's because of what I learned from you. Hey, Daniel here. Before we get to the second half of this episode, I wanted to share with you Ashley's story and how she got her dream internship at Disney. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. I'm Ashley, and I'm currently a guest experience management intern at Walt Disney World. And quite honestly, uh, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for joining the Mastering College to Career Academy. Before the Academy, I had a pretty good plan on where to go, but I didn't know how to get there. So thanks to joining the Academy and going through all the content and just engaging with Daniel and, you know, and himself on LinkedIn and everything, I was able to build up the courage, basically build up my resume and just apply for this amazing program that I'm a part of right now. Um, it, 
what's amazing is that I get to park every single day right next to um, the Tron construction. So I get to see all of that in action, um, being a management intern. And it's so great. I absolutely love it. And I recommend that you join as well. So you can be a part of something great that's gonna help with your career. And it's less than even a class, like a college credit. So definitely you get your money's worth. Uh, so please do it and just go out there and get your dream internship and or job. If you want me to help you reach your career goals, just contact me. And now let's get back to the rest of the show. That means a lot, man. That means a lot. And I, I, when you were just sharing that, it takes me back to my first ever career fair in, my, uh, in college. And how did I even get recruited for CentOS? And I'm a big believer that, you know, energy attracts energy. And when I was, went to the career fair, I actually didn't want to get a job. I actually wanted to work my network marketing business full time when I got out of college. And that was my number one goal. I was actually probably going to go back and get my MBA just because they were going to pay for my housing, give me a meal stipend, and then I could also work my business for two years more while I got an MBA, even though I didn't have any plans of using the stuff in my MBA. And so what ended up happening was I, I got dressed up and I went there and this guy by the name of John Cohen, and I'm walking down the aisle and he's like, hey man, how are you? And I'll tell you what, he has hired so many people. And at CentOS right now, he is like a corporate dis, uh, corporate like VP. So he's like way up there now. And when he hired me, he was 24 years old. He hired me when he was 24 years old. So right out of college, he killed it in Boston. Took the sales manager job in Connecticut, went back to Boston as a different manager, and then worked his way up. And he's been there ever since. So he's been there for almost 20, over 20 years he's been at CentOS. Anyway, kills it over there. And he was looking for energy. He wanted, he told me that he watches the way people are walking around, the way that people are go, approaching the booth, the way that they're carrying their stuff in their hands. So don't think that like that body posture is so important, not only in your interview, but like at a career fair. So he's scouting around. So he saw me walking around and I was going to Goldman Sachs and I was going to all these different sexy companies in Connecticut. You know, they were like just down the street in Stanford and in a train ride into New York City. That's where I wanted to go if I was going to get a job, not selling toilet paper. <laughs> and so I, he sold me on an interview. And it was, and, and the reason why I went in the interview was because he, he closed me on it and he called me at like, heck, it was like seven o'clock in the morning on a Monday. And I picked up, it was like, I just went to bed at four o'clock in the morning. It was a buddy's mine's birthday. And I answered the phone on my little flip phone back in 2004, five, 2004. And, um, I answered is John Cohen, Sintas Curtis, how you doing? I'm like, Oh man, I'm doing great. He's like, uh, He's like, listen, I want to get you in for an interview on Thursday. And I just want to try to, I was, I'm filling up my schedule. And I'm, I remember this well, it was yesterday. And he trial closed me on the phone. I didn't know what that was. He goes, 10 o'clock or one o'clock, which one works best for you? <laughs> like later in the morning or early in the afternoon? I had to choose one. So I chose one. And I honestly didn't want to go on the interview. He'll okay, that's awesome. He goes, man, it sounds like you're tired. Like, I just went to bed three hours ago. He's like, oh, I got up three hours ago. And like, I was just completely blunt, like honest with him. And then I went in there and he created an internship for me when there wasn't one available. He, he sold it to the GM. So we just need to get him in here. And he needed to get me in there because he wanted me to see what was going on and get a taste of what it was. So then that way 
I already, he had a leg up on hiring me when I got out of college. Cause he knew that you were going to be highly recruited. Like he just saw it. Yeah. And then my, and then, you know, I went out, I, I crushed it. My first month I became a sales rep was number one in the country out of 200, 1250 reps. I just made more phone calls and everything. What I realized is he took over the worst sales team in the country. And within like six months, it was the number one sales team in the entire country. And I didn't know that going in. Like everybody on the team, just everybody rose the bar because I like almost forced them to have to work harder. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that, but like he was like, he, he shared that with me later on. But anyway, I got off on a little tangent, but I, I wanted to share that story with no, you. No, I, I, I love the story. I, I, I think those are the best because people remember stories more than anything else. Um, okay. So my next question for you is this, right? So what we, we talked about so far is your journey. Mm -hmm. From, you know, from college, CentOS, tell me about, you, so you went and you wrote this book, what happened next? And it's been how long since you wrote the book and how long has you, since you've been preaching appreciation marketing? So like later on, in my, like I was a couple months before I turned 20, 24, so I was 23 and I quit my job. And so in that, in that company, you either move up or you move out. There's really no in between. And so after a few years, you're either a sales manager, you're moving on up or you move out and on to another career. And I knew that I did not want management um, for many, many different reasons. I'm not going to go down that road. I mean, it is for a lot of people. Just for me personally, it wasn't. And so when I jumped out and then I started, you know, building on my marketing agency and really focusing on appreciation and gratitude and how companies could follow up and stay in touch. And it's hard sometimes to quantify like appreciation and gratitude and what your return on and everything like that is. So some get it and some don't. And then when I started traveling and started teaching these full Saturday long seminars with Tommy, who'd had a lot of speaking of uh, he, he spoke a lot. He had a lot of experience. And so I kind of rode on his coattails and I was young and he, and I just kind of, yeah, just rode on his coattails. And then what we were on an airplane one day and we're like, you know, we should really write a book. And we Googled appreciation marketing and there was nothing on the internet in 2008 and early 2008 with those two terms in a row. It was like marketing with appreciation. It was like marketing company now shows appreciation. Like there wasn't together. And so we bought the domain name. Uh, somebody owned it, but they were just sitting on it. We, we paid a couple thousand bucks for that, bought the domain name. And then we said, you know what? Let's work on a book. So over a course of a whole year, we came up with titles of the book. And one of the titles is like, if only I liked you. With all things being equal, people do business with people that like. With all business, you know, people hire people that they like, right? Um, so, what from politicians to waitresses, waitresses or waiters get more money and tips if they're likable, right? And so, it just goes all around. You get a better. You always get fit in at the doctors or the dentist if you're nice to the people at the front and you're you appreciate them. So, those are types of things we wrote about. You know, seven deadly creatures to avoid becoming. We have chocolate frosted dog crap, which is one of the. Oh man, that that was my favorite creature. <laughs> and it was probably the one that got written about the most and most highlights. And I, I'm gonna, I'll take you through it really quickly. And it's basically when you're sending out to show appreciation and gratitude, keep it that way. If you're trying to ask for referrals, ask for referrals. 
But if you're trying to disguise it as appreciation and gratitude, it comes across as insincere and disingenuous. And I'll give you an example. If I say, hey, Daniel, happy birthday, and I sent you a card. Happy birthday. I hope everything's going great with you and your wife and your business. Man, I, I appreciate you. And at the bottom, I say, P.S., the greatest compliment in the world is warm referral. Or, oh, by the way, Daniel, you know anybody that needs to send some cards? <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm trying to get business. It negates the whole message. It doesn't land with a warm and fuzzy. So when you're sending out, like leave that last line off, especially if you're selling something, guys. Or if you're going to go sell something, keep it that way. Because it's like um, putting frosting on dog crap and calling it chocolate cake. Yeah. It smells. I, it gets, I, it, it's insincere. It's, it's what we call in the book sending out propaganda. Propaganda. I, I think that, you know, this is something that most people do. And sometimes we don't realize that we do it. And a lot of this is becoming very popular as everything becomes more automated and people try to automate stuff and it becomes that way. And I, I give you guys, I'm going to share a little example I, that my, my mother-in-law, her birthday was this week when we were recording this podcast. And we were in the, di in the dining room, we were having all dinner, and she was telling us about all the people that called her and wished her a happy birthday. And it was the same people you would, like, like all her family, her mom, her dad, all called her, wished her a happy birthday. But one of the things she was most excited about was to share that the first person to call her in the morning at 7 a.m. was the guy who does the landscaping for the house. And he left her a voice message singing her happy birthday right? She will never forget that. She was sharing that to every single person that called her to say happy birthday because she felt so special that he had remembered it was her birthday and called her and left her a voice message. Now, not only now, let's think about that. In a, if he would have then said in the end, highly said, uh, we're going through this coronavirus. Do you know anybody who's looking to get their house, uh, their lawn cut? It would, it would destroy that message. She would just assume that the reason why he even called her for her birthday was for a reason to get more referrals. And it would have just destroyed it. But without, because he didn't even say that, now I'm even thinking about hiring him to come cut my grass. Because I am, not that I'm not dissatisfied with my, with my guy who currently cuts my grass, but I want to have a relationship with a guy that does that. And and, and I believe, and I really do think that for students, this is the same way. When you are building relationship with the HR managers, future employers, people who work at the company that you want to work for, we, I see you guys being so hesitant on trying to build a relationship with them quick and asking them, like, hey, can I get an interview? Or can I, can I invite you for coffee and pick your brain and all this stuff? Instead of actually taking the time to appreciate them. If you notice that they have a work anniversary or, a happy, or, or their birthday on LinkedIn, don't just say happy birthday, but actually give them a thoughtful message on LinkedIn about their birthday. Don't ask them for anything else. And so this is a big lesson because I even have caught myself doing this. On, and it's not that I do it on purpose, but it's just like, and we all can fall into this trap. So I'm going to bring this back to you, Curtis. Um, what are two more tips? that you can teach students about appreciation marketing that they can use to help them get a job and build relationships with uh, future employers? Well, I got a couple of amazing stories. Um, one of them has to do with my stepbrother. And 
right out of high school, he got a job and he was making like $40,000, $45,000 a year. And he was a IT technical type of person helping put together systems for companies. Well, there was this company that sold him a huge software system and he got became good friends with the sales guy. When he saw the success I was having in my business, he was like, you know what? I think I want to start my own business too. So he quit and he left because they had two big contracts they're about ready to sign. And he didn't feel right going into those contracts if he wasn't going to complete it. One was six months and one was eight months. So he left. And then he got into some credit card debt, didn't build his business fast enough. And it was like, okay, I'm looking for a job. And what he did was he went back to that salesperson that sold him the system that he implemented throughout the entire company. And he knew that system better than the sales guy. And he said, are you guys looking for salespeople? And he goes, yeah, you know what? We actually are. And, he, and then he goes, um, so he ended up getting an interview with the company. And then he had to fly from New York out to San Francisco for the second interview. And in that time period, because it was a lot of technical stuff in the front end, like, because that's where they're hiring. But then it was like down to the candidates that really knew stuff a lot. So what he ended up doing was he went in search of their top customers that this company had. And he went and interviewed them. And like, he actually got all this information about their customers, processes, stuff like that. And when he went out there and then they said, well, do you have any questions for me? He's like, I do. So I got a hold of so-and-so and so-and-so and, -so and they thought we're like, oh, sh like they thought that maybe there was going to be some bad stuff that was going to come. And it was like, he focused on all the positive stuff and they were so blown away that he went the extra mile to do a little bit of digging and this and that. And what that meant to him was a salary that was almost three times what he left before. Ooh. So he was making well over a hundred thousand plus bonuses and stuff. But here's another tip that I, that, cause he's absolutely brilliant. And he actually hired somebody, someone like you, Daniel, that was a master at helping people evaluate like where they were going to be best fit, taking evaluations and somebody that just really didn't know what direction they wanted to go. And then he said that was the best, I don't know, he spent like four or 500 bucks. He's like, that was the best money that I ever spent when I didn't even have it because it cut years off of like getting in at 70 and working your way up to 90 after years and years. No, he started higher because it, it was like, he was so clear that he was worth it. Yeah. So let me show you, share this story with you. There was other companies that he was going to interview for that he had conversations with and couple of me did interview with and he stayed in touch with all of them and when he was networking he realized he saw the industry and where things were going and what was going to be hot what companies were working on hot stuff and he made sure that he stayed in touch with the people internally and he made a lateral move when this other company was was making a dive and they were laying people off he was valuable but then he made a shift into a really high performing uh market and he got in there and then took another $30,000, $40,000 pay raise. So like, I was like, oh my gosh, you're so smart. He's like, yeah, I've been staying in touch with him for four years and now I got my, now I got my real dream job. Yeah. That's, so that's so it was staying, it was staying in touch and, and like even log those into a reminder system of somehow, some way, like, oh, I interviewed with this company. I might not have got the job. I'm going to make sure that I reach out to him on that anniversary or check, check in him on him during the holidays. Just want to wish you a happy holiday season, stuff like that, without even asking for the job because eventually they're going to need another position. And maybe they're going to hire you at a couple levels higher than what they were interviewing you at before. 
And no, but I, I think it's even not even of just keeping in touch for the for the odd chance that it might work, but yes. keeping in touch with just having genuine relationships and having a strong network. Yes. I, I mean, the, 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 our story is a great example of that, right? Yeah. How we met, we met through Robert Palmer, a, a, a mutual connection of ours. You were building a sales team. Robert said, hey, check out this guy. He might be great. He might be not. He might be a good fit for your team or not. And we met supposed to be a 30 minute conversation mm -hmm. that we ended up talking for two hours. And I remember, I, I mean, it was a very impactful conversation where I really was wanting to leave Frito-Lay or PepsiCo to go and work in your sales team. And after you getting to know me and my goals and my aspirations, you were like, Hey, I, I think it's a better move for you to stay where you are. Right. Yeah. And, we stayed in touch, but not because I ever thought like I would go work for you or things like that. But like, I think it's been a really great both mutual beneficial relationship since then. Like we both mm -hmm. have found a way to give each other value, but it's again, building those relationships, following up, like there might be times where we don't talk for six months, but now that, like in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking weekly. Right. So I yeah. think it's, 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 it's just the importance. I, I, my advice to students is one, follow up. Most people do not follow up. That's right. Two, be genuine and try to find a way for you to add value to them. I think sometimes as a students, we feel like, how can we provide value to someone who's so much ahead in their career as, as you are, right? So like in, in my scenario, like you've accomplished a lot of the goals that I want to accomplish, right? Like back then I didn't have a book by the time we, when we had already met, you were already a, very successful speaker, a very successful author, um, and had already, you know, started your business. And so I've learned a lot from you, but my whole goal has always been like, how can I add value to Curtis? Right? Because I don't want this relationship to be one sided because anytime is one sided, it is not long lasting. And ultimately what you want to do is have long lasting relationships. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you've added a ton of value to me. And and that's why I wanted to hire you as a consultant because there's a lot of things that you're doing in your business that I've always wanted to do. And I was like, I need to be held accountable and also somebody that I know that is the type of person that goes above and beyond. Like we talk about something and then you come and you always over deliver. And it's like, that, those are the type of people that I really like to surround myself with. And you, Hey, Curtis, have you thought about this? Have you read this? Have you heard about this guy? And like, I need to surround myself with more people like that because it stretches like, and I'm going through an, uh, with, with everything that's going on right now, we just had 80 events cancel on us that we were going to be speaking at between me and my, uh, my sales team over the course of the next two months. And just put that in perspective, put a dollar amount on it. That's about a million dollars in new business over the course of the next 10 to 12 months. Okay. Gone. And it like, I was like, wow, it's crazy. Now there's a couple ways to look at it. One is, yeah. And just kind of like, sorry, be sorry about it. And or I could say, I'm going to learn a new skill. And so I'm learning online and social media and different stuff like that, where I can be able to be able to help bring more people and have a lot of people sign up with our service, even while I'm sleeping, the internet's running 24 seven. And so I've only gone out and gone get my customers speaking at live events and doing all this kind of stuff. However, a three-year-old at home, 
And my number one goal is to not miss anything. Okay, I don't want to ever tell my son Blake that I'm going to miss a baseball game. Heck, I want to change my Facebook my Facebook status or my, what I do for a living as a, as a little league coach in a couple of years, you know, so I'm working my butt off and putting systems and all this kind of stuff in place. So I don't have to miss anything of the things that are most important to me in my life. And that's, that's part of living an and life. You know, I don't want to ever have to say, I'm sorry, I can't send you to sports camp because I just fixed the air conditioner in my house. This is like, awesome because we're that story right there, or this specific scenario that you're, in it right now yeah brings this whole podcast together this is just like you getting hit in the chest with the ball 88 mm -hmm. miles an hour right you think everything's going well you have a plan then comes the coronavirus gets hit, you get hit in the chest and knocked to the ground now so you have the decision to make right you can go back in the box or you cannot mm -hmm. and you've decided to go back on the box and keep trying and find another way around it, which really brings back to the, the, the whole thing about this whole episode, right? And I've been thinking about it, and I really love the fact that for, for anybody listening, if you have grit and appreciation, you have long-term career success. Mm. And, and, and research grit, because on the surface, you might not really understand. There's like a, I think there's a, a, a TED book. talk about grit, right? There's a whole book as uh, it's called grit, um, you just Google it and it talks about why grit is the number one indicator of future success is not even mm -hmm. IQ is actually grit and there's scientific studies behind it. The, pro the problem is that it's very hard to quantify grit, but that's another, uh, another topic for another subject. So I know we're running out of time. Oh, go uh, ahead, my man. Do you mind if I just want to wrap up yeah. a couple of things? I think I could add a lot of value. Hopefully people are still listening to this, this podcast is because, you know, I am now on the other side of things. I hire people. Yes. And I, I am looking for talent and I want to just share just a couple of things that I look for. You know, I'm looking for people that are solution finders and not people are just highlighting problems. And so figure it out and come to me with a solution. What, what pisses me off more than, than anything is like somebody throwing up their hands and coming to me with, with a, with an issue without one or two or three different ideas of how to fix it or make it better or something like that. That's, an, that's one thing. The other thing is entitlement attitude. Like I should be getting paid more or I should this or this, this, it, the entitlement attitude see when I want to work, when I took a job actually, um, 2016 and for Robert Palmer, I took it for a, a few different reasons. One is because <laughs> This guy has built a $100 million company, has a couple hundred million dollar net worth. He's in his 30s when I met him. And I'm like, this guy understands marketing at a whole nother level. And I wanted to be in, in and around that to kind of through osmosis, learn and absorb and then eventually go back to my own business. And that's exactly what happened. But I'll tell you, I went to work. I wanted to work for him for free. And he's like, I don't work like that. And he like, I think that how it transitioned is because I came to him sharing with him an idea, what I wanted to do. And he, he loved the fact that I was willing to give and add value first before I was trying to get something in return. He's like, I, 
And there was so many, this is a whole nother episode of how that all transpired, but like go into something. If there's your dream, absolute dream job and you absolutely want to work there, I'd be like, I'll tell you what, give me 30 days, 60 days. Let me, let me give it everything that I got. And if, if there's anything that you don't like, no problem. Like I would go into it almost thinking like I'll work for free because I'll know that I'll more than make it up on the next eight months or nine months. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I think, I think if you believe in yourself that much and you have that much clarity, it, it's, it's you 100% should do that. It, it will want to pay off. Curtis, how can students that would like to learn a little bit more about you and what you do get a hold of you? Okay, there's a couple things. Um, hopefully that the website's live by now, uh, by the time that this thing, that this podcast goes live. And if not, then just reach out to us. Um, earnreferrals.com is going to be a place where you're going to be able to get a free copy of Appreciation Marketing and a free software system with AM cards. And you just pay for the shipping. Um, I pay for the book you pay for the shipping, I'll mail it to you, and then you're gonna get a free system that you can send cards. And what happens is we print, stuff, stamp, and mail out the cards for you. Right outside this door, there's printers, there's all kinds of stuff, so the next day we print out a custom greeting card with all your, whatever you want on there, branded to you, um, your signatures on it, your everything. So, or you can choose from one that we have. And that system, it's, it's very, very powerful. And your, your first card and your first stamp is free. It's on us and you can send it anywhere in the United States. And because you listen to us here on this podcast, if you mentioned Mastering College to Career or Daniel, then we, if there's a, a need for you to have a membership, reach out to us and we'll waive the entire $295 setup fee. And there's no contracts and there's no commitment. So reach out to us. And at the very least, I will give you a link, Daniel, so they can download the audio book of appreciation marketing completely for free. Oh, man, you're too generous to my audience, man. I appreciate you, Curtis. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode and catch you guys on the next one. Thank you. All right, my friend, congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. In the age of short attention span, this speaks volumes of you. So now, if you found value in this episode, then I am sure you're going to find value in the Mastering College to Career Academy. So if you want to learn more a little bit about that academy, go to masteringcollegetocareer.com or just send me a message. Thank you so much for listening and catch you guys all on the next one.